Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. What is going on, Diesel Nation? We're excited to have you guys with us today on the Diesel Podcast. If you're watching this on YouTube and you're not subscribed, make sure and click the subscribe button, turn on notifications, like and comment. Let us know what you think of this episode. If there's a guest or topic that you want us to cover, make sure and let us know there. We're always checking the comments. And YouTube is a place where you can hear the Diesel Podcast episodes first. On today's episode, I'm going to be chatting with Johnny from Stainless Diesel, and he recently had a major safety issue happened on his race car. And we wanted to talk to him about that, what happened, what uh, was going on as he was making the run, and maybe some possible causes or, or things that they're looking into to make sure that it doesn't happen again. We also wanted to chat with him about some turbos and some upgrades that they have for the older trucks, whether it's a 12 valve or um, you know 7.3, some of the like pre-2000 diesels we know those are really popular a lot of people are picking those up because of their simplicity and the affordability of parts the things they can do to them so he's going to chat with us a bit about that before we get to it want to remind you guys our friends over at kershaw knives have a 20 percent off discount code use code diesel20 at kershaw.kiausa.com got a ton of choices for knives whether it's for the outdoors everyday carry um, at work around the house and they've got a ton of options depending what your budget is so um, if you're a knife enthusiast and are looking for a particular type of blade steel or opening mechanism or you just need something you need to open boxes all the time um, something that's going to be worked hard they got a lot of choices for you guys all right let's get to today's episode with johnny from stainless diesel and asking what happened with his parachute not opening johnny welcome back to the diesel podcast i enjoyed our last episode a lot of people um, found it really helpful for you to go through different like towing turbos and things like that for a bunch of different year range trucks. And I was uh, on YouTube recently and I saw you guys had a video and it caught my attention because it was about the parachute on your race, on your race car. And so yeah. I wanted to have you yeah. kind of tell our audience about that and just what all happened. Cause I think, I think it's something that, well, it's obviously very important, but then two is I don't necessarily think it's just isolated, you know, to you guys. So I'm sure a lot of people want to know about it. Right. Right. Yeah. I think, uh, I think, you know, for the most part, um, the cars are fairly new build, you know, we, a lot of minds came together to put this thing on the track, you know, between, uh, between us and, you know, hammer tech race cars. Um, we did a lot of the chassis modifications, you know, it started out as a, as a, a gas roller car. Uh, we just bought it, you know, and um, modified the whole front of the chassis to accept the diesel stuff, you know. And um, it was a big block Chevy with a power glide transmission initially. Um, it's a Wally Stroops race car, so he does a lot of the Street Outlaw guys uh, builds. And it was an existing piece that we got a hold of as a roller. Um, but working with Tony Durhammer down there at Hammer Tech and uh, kind of engine placement, I had, I kind of, I know a little bit about racing. I've been doing it for a little while. So I wanted to put the engine in a particular location and some things like that. And then Tony really helped us out with all of the, uh, the frame fabrication and motor mounts and all of that neat stuff. And then we did some, we did some chassis stuff here as far as the four link bars and setting it up a little bit. But uh, I mean, you know, for the most part, uh, 17 runs on the car 
uh, pretty pretty new build. Um, in the build process, um, Tony put the uh, or we were all down there. My my buddy Steve uh, goes racing with us here, works with us in the shop. He's our Ford expert here at Stainless Diesel. So if you, anybody needs to talk to him about a Ford six zero, he's he's your man. <laughs> you know. So, uh, but long story short, um, uh, when we put the cables on, you know, we made a little a handle. You know, so I can throw it inside the car, as you've probably seen in our, in our YouTube video. And it's just put everything in a comfortable uh, location for me as a driver. You know, kind of where we would be comfortable at. Uh, hitting buttons and shifters and the uh, parachute handle. Um, so on the 17th run, we ran a 421, which is, uh, at the time, it was like about three ten thousandths of a second off of what Firepunk's record was last year. This was in the ODSS, you know, Diesel Outlaw Super Series, um, so which was a 418. And then uh, Mr. Ben Shetty broke that record and went a, went a four, uh, 416, I believe. So, but uh, long story short, um, went to throw the parachute, as you've seen, and it didn't pop out. Um, so I had Tony up here at the shop, kind of looking at the aftermath, and we looked at everything. And we were scrutinizing things, you know, as you've seen the video. And looking at data, um, looking at hard parts, looking for any inkling of a problem, uh, you know, what what could have happened. Um, I never even had one parachute pop out um, and one not pop out, rather, on, on this build. You know, they've always worked perfectly. Um, so the fastest pass we ever made on the shortest shutdown track, I think, in the series. Um, it was kind of a unfortunate, perfect storm of failure points. So we ended up in the net at around 100 miles an hour and um, wadded up the body of the car pretty good and things like that. I got banged around in there a little bit. My ribs are still sore, put it, put it that way. <laughs> um, well, if you could take me for a second <clears throat> into that moment when you're, you know you need to hit the parachute, what goes through your mind that instant when you do it and when you realize something isn't right? Yeah, so the, all of that stuff happens tremendously fast. I mean, it's, it's crazy. Um, uh, just in the blink of an eye, like, uh, I got a lot of questions actually, like I'm in the car as a driver. Um, I'm doing my normal kind of driver procedure. And, uh, as soon as I'm off the trans brake, my mind goes to, okay, this car straight is, uh, you know, am I, I'm waiting for tire shake if we get any, because sometimes that aborts a run, you know, immediately. Um, so and that particular run it felt really good. Um, went straight. I felt a couple of gears change and then my hand goes immediately to the parachute before half track or, or as soon as I can kind of get past the shake zone or anything weird. Um, so essentially my mind goes to, okay, you know, we're straight. We're not tire shaking. We're looking good. And my hands on the parachute after a shift on the lever and I throw it just past half track, essentially. Um, which is 330 feet, you know, because eighth mile is 600 feet, 660 feet rather. Um, and the, uh, I mean, for the most part, um, it takes 1.2 to 1.4 seconds from the time we deploy the parachutes to the time we see negative G's on our data logger. So we've got a MoTeC in there from SNS Motorsports, uh, along with their fuel injectors and pumps and really great calibration uh device that we can play with um <clears throat> between my son and i we do a lot of the the tuning calls and calibration stuff um it, it, so we basically 
the MoTeC has this ability to blow out the parachute on a time base. So we were pushing it out at 3.3 seconds. So we'll make it to half track at 2.9 seconds. So between 330 feet and 660 feet, um, before the before the end of the track, we like to throw the chute. Um, so it, we throw it early so that when the parachute does pop out, it's right at the stripe. It's right at the finish line, soon as possible, um, to be you know to slow us down as fast as possible. So uh, in that particular pass, um, I threw it, got it to the floor to the finish line, and no negative G's. And when the parachutes pop out in this thing, we get about two point five, two point two G's negative. Um, sometimes one point eight. It just depends on how fast we're going mile an hour wise which is pretty good hit like you know what it's trying to throw you through the windshield when your parachutes pop out um but they didn't pop out and i was like all right so i'm on the brakes i eased on the brakes you can see black marks um uh, my buddy ethan from uh, wp developments there got me some pictures of the track he walked it the next uh morning i think early about 20 feet past the finish line you see some edges of the tires starting to grab and probably a maybe almost 100 feet past they started started locking them up um going that fast uh the brakes just they were like a light switch uh just touch them it light the back tires up and slide so just it was all she wrote after that so, so with <clears throat> with the parachute to so make sure i understand correctly so you guys can set electronically or with the MoTeC, the time that it, it it's going to deploy, and then with your hand, you could just you could manually do it if there's an issue. Yep. So as as a driver, you always want to be 100% in control of that. I feel you know, um, but there's also a time where um, you might be a, a tenth of a second slower than what you want it to come out at as a driver. Also, um, so I usually grab it a little sooner than what it calls for. Okay. But it's like a safety measure, a safety backup measure. So mechanically on the handle, we have an air um, cylinder, basically, that fires from a Mac valve uh, off of, you know, like a signal from the MoTeC saying, um, when I'm off the trans brake at X amount of time, um, we want to pop, we want this, you know, to activate. Uh, the parachutes are a cylinder instead of a spring style like we have on my Pro Street truck. Um, that was a kind of a heavy spring mechanical device where the car is a air cylinders back where the parachutes are. So we arm that, I guess, um, we call it race mode. So I go in to do a burnout, I back up and then the guys are checking the wheelie bars and making sure, um, you know, everything looks good with the car. And, uh, we have some safety, uh, little clips that we pull out with some big red tags on them. Uh, for the parachutes and then they'll kind of check everything but I arm race mode and that pumps the bags up so the bags actually kind of move when I do that so that's why we keep the safety clips in because it it goes to pull the parachute cables out almost they push back so far um, it's just one of those things we've, we've done it over and over uh, with this new build like I said 17 passes on it um, and we've never had him fail to come out in, in any way, shape, or form. Um, when Tony from Hammer Tech Race Cars that you know, helped do some chassis work and install the cables with us, he found a really neat, I guess, aspect of what we were looking at here that we didn't 
we didn't see until he was up here. And Tony's really good like that. Details. Um, the parachute cables um, are a sheath. It's a really high-end cable. It's got a, an eyelet at one end, and it's just a straight cable at the other. So the eyelets are bolted to a billet bracket to the handle, the lever that we throw for the parachutes. Um, when Steve and I were down there at Tony's place installing a bunch of this stuff um, back in the wintertime, Tony has a trick for installing this stuff. So after we ran the cables physically, tied them to the handle, I go inside the car and throw the handle. And I could, I could maybe uh, show you guys some of that a little close, more close up down the road here. But you throw the handle, and then we ran the cables around to the eyelets on the parachute uh, bags themselves. And Tony's got a trick. You throw the handle fully, which is like deployed, and he takes a, a cutoff wizard wheel and cuts the cable off, including the, in the outer sheath and the inside cable at the same length all at once. So when you pull the handle back, you know, the cable protrudes out another inch and a quarter, inch and a half, something like that. And that's um, the way that he's always done them for years and years. And uh, we noticed that when the handle is pulled, there's still a good three quarters of an inch of cable sticking out of the sheath. It wasn't that way uh, when we put the car together back in the wintertime. What would cause that? And that was my first question to Tony. I'm like, have you ever seen this before? Like, what the, this doesn't make any sense because we were all standing there. We all did it together. And he was going to contact the cable manufacturer. Uh, but essentially, the, the, the rubber or the plastic coating on the outer sheath um, of the cable, it was shrunk back from the inner metal lining, I guess you want to say, about a quarter inch. So it wasn't flush anymore. So it looks like the plastic or the, the, the sheathing of the cable shrunk and moved. And Tony said the only way for it to probably do that would be to dilate a little bit of diameter as well So on the, on the sheathing. So we're gonna look at the cables a lot more detailed. Um, I haven't got any feedback back from him about talking to the manufacturer of the cable. And he doesn't recall at any point in time ever seeing one do that, so. So we're talking really, really small measurements or really small details that make the difference between, you know, pulling the lever, stop on time, everything good, and going into a net yeah. at however fast you're going. Yeah, I can just say it's a bad feeling. And thank God uh, Jeremy Wagler had a net. And uh, I would like to say this again, and I can't say it enough. Um, spend time and money on the best safety equipment you can get, you know head padding and, 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 you know, the best helmet and the best, uh, the best parachutes, the best safety stuff you can possibly get. Jeremy had a net across, um, the end of the track and not all tracks had the safety nets like they have it, you know, the UCC Indianapolis track and all of the, all of those tracks, um, are arranged differently. Let's say on the shutdown portion, they've got pea gravels and, you know, hay bales and water barrels, you know, typically, and that's fairly normal, but the, the net, um, I really feel like the net on that track is what saved me uh, from being beat up a whole lot more. Um, and going into the, the sand traps at 100 plus, you know. So it was very, uh, very thankful for Jeremy and his guys. You know, they had a, they were there within seconds. Like, like you see in the video, they were, they were right on it. So can't thank them enough. 
for <clears throat> for somebody listening who's never raced on a track like that or at this level, if you could describe to us like where the layers of safety that go into, say, on this particular track, um, that can help you, you know, walk away from something like this to where they can understand, you know, cause I think of a net, yeah, I just think of something visually across the end of the track. It's going to grab the vehicle. Yeah. It's going to slow it down. There's probably something maybe behind it to, you know, even slow it down more, yeah. but, but really to visualize it. So it's a safety net. That's almost like a uh, airplane would be caught on it. It's, I think that's what it was originally designed for, for the military, uh, for like an aircraft carrier with airplanes landing back in the, the older days, they've got these safety nets, and I think they're still available on aircraft carriers. Say the tow hook from an F-14 Tomcat or something doesn't grab the deck, and it's kind of a, an added measure of safety to grab the plane um, from, you know, going off the end of the carrier. And it's designed for impacts and stretching and relieving itself in such a manner that um, it slows you down safely. Uh, that kind of deal. So it's, it's from my understanding, and that's that's something that uh, is on a lot of the NHRA tracks and a lot of the bigger tracks. And so not every track has that measure of safety. Um, and then again, they had you know water barrels and, and hay bales in this in the this they call it a sand trap, but it, there's a lot of pea gravels there. Um, and then like we, I mean, racing at a higher level, you want to make sure you know there's. You got the right safety measures there. There's an ambulance there. There's qualified people inside the ambulance to to help you out when you, if and when, you know, a catastrophic event happens. And there's uh, fire extinguishers all the way down the track, like spaced out. And, you know, somebody, you know, God forbid, uh, hits the wall and catches on fire mid-track, you know, there, there's fire extinguishers right there. So they do a great job at um, – at the Wegler track and like the same same track there, like Indianapolis UCC and a lot of the a lot of the tracks have those safety measures in place, but it's really up to us as as a team to go around and make sure they're in place before we get that car or any vehicle on the track for our own peace of mind and for our own safety. We want to know where that stuff's at, and that we have qualified safety personnel there for us in case anything happens. Um, and like I said, I've been racing a long time, never had a major. Uh, major uh, incident like this ever uh, we've had a couple on fires with the pro street truck breaking fuel lines we've been on fire a few times but we've got uh, again that's another thing um at this level and you know uh, we run a fire safety system where i'm in the cab i can just pull a handle if i see something wrong you know and there's fire spray nozzles on me inside and around the engine bay various portions of the engine bay on that truck and uh, we did the same thing with the car and that's so i highly recommend that too you know it was, it was racing at a higher level like this and then um especially with a heavier diesel truck um some of these guys are running single parachutes and i recommend that they run a dual parachute system um just in case one doesn't pop out the other one typically would um we've had that happen just a handful of times in the pro street truck um for whatever reason and then ben shaddy that shied right in front of me. One of his parachutes popped out and one didn't. It was just a weird irony. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, I think of I think of diesel performance in general and the trucks that you mentioned, they've been going faster and faster and faster for I mean, all time, but especially the last yeah. like five or six or seven years. And so oh, yeah. this level of safety also applies towards you know, guys that are taking a, a truck out there to, you know, race, not doesn't necessarily need to be, you know, at the highest level of racing. It's even sure. even an issue on you know, really anything. Yeah, pretty much anything. I mean, you just want to make sure you have all your safety stuff uh, up to date and make sure it works. Test it out. You know, uh, that's something we've done. You know, with the MoTeC, we can we can tell the computer to simulate a run and go through and test. You know, nitrous solenoids or go through and test switches that you want to make sure that are switching, like you know, parachutes and things like that, blowing out on time. So it's 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 the faster we go, the the diesel the diesel industry is uh, almost pacing the car guys as far as uh, speeds nowadays uh, on different different tracks you know so it's, it's can't say enough about don't skimp on the safety stuff guys if that's one thing you take away from this anything can happen and don't skimp on that stuff something that I found really interesting in your video and I'm sure well I know you guys did was that you had cameras inside the car so you could watch and replay and see what you did, how things reacted, where I'm sure in that moment, you yeah. might not remember when things are happening that quick and yeah. you have adrenaline oh, yeah. and everything well, else. I was, you know, like, like it, it rung my bell a little bit um, at the end and I was like, what the hell, you know, what, what just happened? You know, yeah. uh, it just should happen quick. And I did the best I could to kind of um, try to try to keep it in control and slow it down until I could get to the end. And then uh, the end came up really short. Um, you know, it's just one of those things where, you know, if we were on a longer track, would have, would have, would, would that have happened, um, quite that way? Probably not, but I would still be, you know, in trouble going 170 plus, um, and no parachute with that kind of application. So, um, but the, the cameras inside, that's something Amy got us, uh, that's, it's an on-road kind of car camera. Uh, it's made, you know, for traveling down roads. And it's got an SD card in it, and it's just made for that. And it, it had a uh, secondary camera. Um, it's like some of the semi-truck guys will mount them in their semi-trucks to have a sideways out, outdoor view and then a forward-facing view, you know, people that uh, do that. And uh, we just mounted it in the car. And when the power is turned on the way we have it set up, the camera's always recording to an SD card. So if we're working on the car and charging the battery and we add power on, it gets us, you know, tinkering around with the engine or putting fuel in, uh, things like that. So definitely good to have. And with the with the car itself, how much how much repairing or work do you guys got to do on it, or or what's the the status of it? So we're still kind of uh, looking at it. Um, we we kind of check the straightness of the frame. Um, I think everything's. Uh, if anything got tweaked, it was it was in just a couple sixteenths of an inch from the center line as far as the main uh, front to the back. So 
a sixteenth, uh, sixty thousandths of an inch, so less than less than an eighth inch, probably, of anything from what we can measure, uh, of any strength, you know, movement on the frame or anything. Uh, we did bend the front rim. Uh, we destroyed a strut that was attached to that front end or the, to that rim that got bent, uh, broke the steering arm off of the Porsche portion. So uh, the front um, carbon front clip was destroyed. Um, and uh, the hood, you know, portion of it, and it beat the body up pretty good. The doors luckily were okay. And um, we're in the process of trying to get a hood built for front end and a hood kind of set up. Uh, it's going to be a month or so out uh, if we're lucky there to get one. Uh, but those beautiful pipes that uh, Cody Fisher at Firepunk made for me, they survived relatively well. Uh, the stainless uh, Zumi pipe. Um, it took a couple little dinks. Uh, I think we can get it back to uh, new again. Just a little bit of a little bit of love and some time. So it's uh, in process. We're slowly uh, looking at the body. The wing got smashed. Um, so uh, it's in process. So we, we plan on working, working, uh, get it back together here for next year. So. Well, it's, I think, you know, the most important thing is just being able to, you know, come out of it and all this other stuff, you know, you can replace it, fix it, you know, get whatever you need. But yeah. I think the safety part that you mentioned is, you know, it did its job. Oh yeah. Yeah. The safety stuff worked. And like I said, I, I can't thank the guys enough for that. It's just like, it's, uh, you know, like we said in the other video, it's just difficult to figure out why, what, and when. But uh, I think looking at the cable sheathing and some of that other stuff, I mean, it's just it's a perfect storm of of horrible uh, stuff that happened, you know. It's a bad deal. But we're going to learn from it, come back stronger, safer, faster. I had, uh, after our last episode, a couple of guys reached out to me. Well, more than a couple, but they said, hey, I really love what uh, you talked about with Johnny, but I got a 12-valve, or I got an older truck. Yeah. Like, what are they doing for yeah. me? Like, what uh, what are they cooking up? So I wanted to ask you on this episode, like, what about these older trucks? Like, you know, what are different things you guys are working on or really focusing on to deliver to those truck owners? Heck, yeah, man. Yeah, my my first uh, foray into a diesel pickup truck was a 12-valve. You know, it's a great, just a great workhorse of a truck, you know, and we actually used to pull gooseneck trailers with them and just, you know, haul parts around town in the trucking industry, kind of kind of deal hot shotting with them. And they're just a great piece. Um, so cut my teeth in the 12 valve stuff. And then the VP trucks, you know, I'm well known for uh, back in the day doing some VP uh, racing uh, before the Pro Street truck went common rail. So um, we, we make a whole line of turbos for the uh, 12 valves, bolt on HX35 stuff. But they're not your um, they're not your grandpa's HX 35s, you know. So these things are larger compressor wheels, billet wheels. The rotor groups are lighter, so they spin up quicker. Um, they make that crazy jet engine uh, turbo whistle that everybody likes, you know, aggressive turbo sound, and uh, they just make a gob of power. So like your your um, various sizes, you know, the 6060 is um, just to kind of put that in perspective. It's really close to the HX 40 sizing. Um, and then uh, with the five blade there, it spools up quick. And that's for your guys with probably like more mild injectors, uh, wants to tow a lot, you know, just a good stock upgrade, uh, larger than stock, of course. And then uh, our 6364 is a step up from there for, say, a guy that has uh, a little more injector, like a 100 horsepower injector, you know, something like that. Um, and then we've got, uh, you know, the, the VP trucks as well, you know, things like that. Uh, 
if you got a work stock puller um, and then going into the HE 351 stock bolt down stuff, you know, the 67, 67 has been a, more of the polar type of guys or even drag racers for that matter on the older trucks. Uh, but stock appearing, you know, so bolts right in stock place, um, stock uh, manifolds, you know, stock oil line stuff works with it. So great combination. You find a lot of guys that are calling stainless diesel. They're, they're uh, familiar with diesel, have owned one, but they're newer ones and they're kind of going back mm-hmm. to the older ones and they're yeah. wanting that 12 valve or, yeah, VP forty four. Yep. So what's old is new again for sure. You know the the VP forty four guys. You know they're they're diehard. You know it's kind of like you're you got some seven three Ford guys that are just diehard and they love the OBS uh, seven three Ford stuff. You know so we've got turbos for those as well. Um, but you know when it comes to the older Cummins man, it's just like uh, the second gens are just awesome. Uh, the first gens are definitely off the chain when you find a real neat, clean one. You know, it's it's almost like a classic car nowadays, you know, like the old Chevelles and the old, you know, the old Mustangs and the old uh, Hemi Cuda bodies, you know, for the for our previous generation. You know, the, the 12 valves are, or second gen bodies or first gens, man, they're kind of like a collector's item. And guys are looking for those low mile garage finds, you know, that they can get a hold of and maybe shine them up and, you know, take them to the show and shines or to the drag strip and, go get ice cream in it that's one of the toughest things i find is just trying to find one it's so yeah it's so hard and oh, if you boy. do you're paying for they're it like yeah they're like unicorns out there now and then uh, just like the classic cars you know the you know the, the, the old classic chevelles sold for what you know four or five thousand bucks back in the day and now they're you know sky's the limit on those you know but uh the old, it's not uncommon to find a, a fairly clean you know second gen going for like twenty five thousand bucks on the on the interwebs you know it's crazy oh yeah or or even, even higher I've or seen more some, like, yeah or 30, more 40 <laughs> 45 yep, yep. <laughs> oh yeah yeah they're like brand new factory off the showroom floor and, uh almost selling for new price you know so interesting that's for sure it's um, well it's cool to see though like the the technology and the the research and development the innovation that was done on a lot of the common rail stuff it is also you're translating back to the older trucks. So they get kind of that bump in research and yeah. development and engineering as well. So it's not like they're left behind in, in any way. Oh yeah. Yeah. We like, I'm kind of going back to, uh, I've got a project that's going to bring me back to my VP roots and we've kind of, um, the old pink Panther drag truck, uh, you know, was a, was a kind of a four way back into that. And, uh, we're going to bring that back out. I think next year we're going to see that on the track a lot more. Um, we've got a few new, tricks up our sleeve for the VP guys, um, you know, along with the turbo stuff, we're working on some um, kind of like what I used back in the day to make a lot of the horsepower in my record set in VP truck. Um, it went like, you know, nine seconds and, you know, 6,000 pounds on fuel with some triple turbos. Um, that fuel system was very unique. Uh, had some billet top feed injectors that went through the valve cover from the top, essentially, instead of from the side fed. Uh, like the factory is so we're working on s- some of that stuff for in the future year uh, we're going to be testing it on the uh on the drag truck to uh bring it bring it to market probably start out small on that but it's more of a competition thing i would say at that level um but uh, the vp guys are uh working on some stuff for them that's for sure well since i got you here i kind of heard this 
this uh, echo in the background of the VP44 guys that are watching this or the ones that are looking at buying uh -huh. that truck and they're saying, ask Johnny this question for me. <laughs> and not so much for the racing side, but how do yeah, you keep no, sure. the injection pump alive? How do you make it, how do you make it last? I, so like uh, I used to run many different pumps and I, I, there was a point in time that that's why I bought my first chassis dyno years and years ago. Um, well over 10 years ago now, I guess, uh, looking at that, um, I bought it to strap my VP truck to because I was going to two and a half hours away to Grand Rapids, Michigan, to a buddy of mine's shop to dyno on a Mustang dyno. And I'd go wear his dyno out on a Saturday all day and come back and try to learn stuff. So um, what I did find to keep those pumps alive, I used to run anywhere from 20 pounds to probably 24 pounds of lift pump pressure. And uh, I've had, you know, different various lift pumps on there, you know, from, uh, from the, uh, you know, the fuel, I guess the fuel lab guys all the way to, you know, the fast pumps and stuff like that. Air dog guys. And I've had various different ones on there, but higher pressure, um, 18 to 20 is probably more your street pressure, but on my race rig, it was 24 pounds wide open throttle. And then when you lift off the pedal, the VP truck pump is very unique. It's kind of, it doesn't have a rail pressure relief valve in the system essentially but you have to think about it in terms of that so when you lift off immediately some of the old pumps used to airlock and shut the truck off at the end of the racetrack so you had to kind of train yourself to lift halfway real fast and the rest of the way real slow so mentally that helps those pumps live a lot because they can internally you know it's working really hard and then you just shut it down and that's hard on the internals um so that's something that uh Good line pressure or you know, lift pump pressure rather and lift off the pedal slow and use a lot of fuel lubricity. Like we love the hot shot secret stuff. Um, we add it, you know, to the oil, we add it to the fuel, uh, the EDT and diesel extreme works really well to keep the VP pumps alive nowadays. Um, and it just, it works really well. Uh, and then if you do get a hopped up pump, you have to kind of match the injector size too small of an injector. Uh, we'll, cause damage to a, a hot rod style pump or a hopped up pump, you know, from Shide or something like that. So that's, uh, that'll keep them alive. That's for sure. That's really good advice. And it's, it's kind of goes back to that old truck, old is new, you know, kind of yep. thing is if it's you're in the market, again. If, like if you're looking for a second gen and you find that low mile 12 valve, you're really going to pay a lot for it. You might find yep. a 98 and a half to O2, maybe the same mileage, okay. maybe a little bit more, but if the price is a little bit different and, and that's what a lot of guys will ask is, okay, I've, you know, I've heard, you know, great things about the engine, but what about the pump? And so yeah. I think those are some things people can, can do to oh, yeah. Yeah. make them live on a daily drive or something they're towing with. Oh, heck yeah. Yeah. You can, uh, you can have your cake and eat it too. You know, you, you can have a little hot rod, but you can pull a, you know, 40 foot gooseneck trailer and put your tractor on the back or you know, side by sides and go have some fun. Oh yeah. That's what it's all about. I think that's what really pulled people into diesel and really at its core is that utility and that versatility of them. And I mean, guys like yourself have taken it to a whole new level, like with the car behind mm -hmm. you and the speeds and, yep. and everything else. But it's, it's such a fascinating part of automotive. That's so cool to watch and, and follow and, and see, you know, how it progresses. And I know a lot of people look towards you. A lot of people, um, you know, kind of idolize you and they want to, they want to do what you do. And I, I think that safety aspect that you talked about and, and I really appreciated that video you guys put out because I sat back and I watched it and I got it was like I was sitting there with all of you guys 
going through everything and safety is just yeah yeah, it's like i know there's a lot of money wrapped up in in a race vehicle the engine all the parts but nothing's more important than walking away from it so i think it's a really good lesson really good lesson get that right you know the stakes you know the build took you know well over about a year and a half and we took our time doing it obviously you know between uh working with some great partners you know like the like the sns uh boys there and uh wagler you know jeremy wagler's motors phenomenal um you know and then uh you know the guys at hotshot secret you know helping us out on the on the the lubricant side of it it's just it's just awesome to work with great people in the industry um to to help bring this whole combination together you know and it's uh as far as the car, man, we're super happy at what we've been able to achieve um, with this in just a short period of time. You know, we're racers at heart here at the shop and um, you know, we've been doing it for years. And it just uh, it helps us uh, look at the data in detail. And then that helps bring that on track uh, turbo performance in life. What we've learned that keeps those things alive on the track to uh, your everyday tow haul guys and your everyday drivers to keep that turbo um up upgraded in flow cool egts and longer life you know so we're real world stuff on the track really does correlate to some of that oh for sure and i I encourage everyone to check out your guys's youtube channel like you guys have some really good stuff on there and that's where yeah we saw the video that you guys posted. So it's cool to kind of get that inside look, not just at something like that, but then also what you guys are doing when you're at an event, the conversations you guys are having. Um, it's really cool. And also to see the, the camaraderie and the, you know, the friendship and everything that you guys have together. It's a great, great team. The the racing family is awesome. And then, you know, the guys on the team are just phenomenal. You know, there's, there's nothing we could, we could not achieve this level without having a great team. Um, I always tell people many times, you're only as good as the guys, on your team and people that surround you and that's a hundred percent true statement you know and then uh, a lot of the other teams you know to at the track it's, it just feels like family going to a diesel race you know everybody gets together once a month and goes uh, racing and barbecues and cuts up and tries to you know, blow off steam and go fast <laughs> that's uh that's uh one of the really really cool parts about diesel is, is i think that aspect to it and and seeing it you know in action at a racetrack or at an event or something like that, just seeing how it all comes together. And yeah, I appreciate you chatting with us, you know, today and and sharing some insights, you know, on what that experience was like. And, you know, for anybody going fast out there, I think the message you gave them was really, really important about putting, you know, safety first and then, you know, tips for the VP guys and things you guys are working on there at the shop for the 12 valve and 24 valve Cummins owners. And it's, uh, it's cool to see what you guys are doing. Well, thanks, man. Uh, it's been great. And like I said, uh, anybody got any questions, definitely check us out and shoot us an email at stainlessdiesel.com or give, get us a call here at the shop and we'd be happy to help you out. Don't forget, diesel fans, make sure and head on over to kershaw.kiausa.com. Use code diesel20, get 20% off site-wide. And there's tons of choices for you guys, whether you need something you know, for everyday carry or at work or hunting, fishing, anything like that. They've got a ton of different choices. We appreciate them offering that exclusive code just for you guys to take advantage of. I want to give a shout out to some of our Patreon supporters, Tyler Lowen of 23 Diesel, Caleb, all of our Patreons, all of you guys who listen on YouTube, podcast apps, our Discord, Instagram, Facebook. We love seeing what you guys are working on. We love getting answers to your questions about builds, parts, the future of upgrades. 
um, the history of trucks. There's a lot of questions you guys have asked about emissions specifically, you know, what kind of emissions did older trucks have or what about the newer ones or what about the RPM act? What about racing parts? So we, uh, we love hearing from you guys. You guys keep us going, keep the creativity flowing until next time. Keep the shiny side up.